Um, well, yeah, so this morning uh, we will finish our final fruit of the Spirit, um, of the nine that Paul lists, um, and we will be talking about self-control. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see where the discussion goes, um, and I'm sure we'll have some, some great theological insights. Um, were you saying something? No, you just you sounded like you didn't really believe it. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sure, we'll have some great theological. Uh, that, that 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 sarcasm. I'm I'm sorry. But that was not intentional at all. No, I I feel like we will have some great theological insights. Like I actually believe it. Yeah. Um. So first question to our guests, if you want to introduce yourself and just. How long have you been a part of the Otter Creek community? And just any other fun facts? Okay. So I start, or do you want to do? And I'm Larry Griffith. Uh, we've been a part of the West End community okay. since 1977. Awesome. And uh, we came here from Nebraska. When we came, also uh, in those years, uh, Lipscomb's philosophy was: uh, we can't pay you a full salary. You really have to find a church job. <laughs> and uh, uh, I did find a church job on my own at, at West End as mm-hmm. leader, uh, which really made us able to get through that first year mm-hmm. uh, because. So, uh, then I took the, the, the church job, and within within a couple of years, Brother Collins was well, he took president, he was president of the fall that I came, and then uh, he changed the salary schedule and really even things out for us. But uh, uh, we were part of the uh, of serving as an elder in Michigan through the transition. Mm-hmm. background, we went to Harding, uh, that's where we met, and oh, uh, married halfway through our junior year, graduated in 69, and spent a couple years teaching in Missouri at uh, public schools, and then back to graduate school, and then teaching in Nebraska for four years at York College, and then got to Lipscomb, and cool. we retired both retired, uh, Brenda from Metro and I from Lipscomb in 2006. We've been out 16 years. Nice. I'll let Brenda tell about our <laughs> grandchildren and children and family. Leave her something to say. Well, I'm Brenda, and um, I grew uh, always in rural, small congregations. Uh, when my mom and dad became Christians, I was five, so talking about self-control, I can see some difference in what the Spirit 
changed mm -hmm. in my family, but um, my mom and dad became church planters in, in Georgia. So when people say, where are you from? It's kind of like, depends <laughs> on which year, you know, yeah. is the, uh, what that is. Uh, we have four children, a son in Murfreesboro, a daughter in Clarksville, a daughter in Florida, and one in Cambridge, nine grandchildren. And as Larry said, I stayed at home, and that was kind of a struggle. That was a decision we made until our youngest child uh, started school. I started back to teaching for Metro, got bumped around the system, <laughs> kept my stuff in a box for a, for a while, but retired from J.P. Moore. And when we were assigned this topic of self-control, I thought, have you ever taught middle school? <laughs> 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 you, you know, you just never know who's walking in the door. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty unpredictable, but um, we've been our, our time in Tennessee and West mm -hmm. um, Bend has been a great home for us. And a bunch of West Bend people are now here, mm -hmm. like little Brad. We were talking to him this morning and said, Well, we knew you as little Brad, <laughs> not, your, not your big Brad. But um, anyway, we're glad to be here. A couple of weeks ago, we were at West for something. Brad was talking to his kids about something that he they used to do in the pews. Like I can't remember if it was, but I was like, but that is weird of him growing up there and seeing that church as a little kid and now as a big kid. I would add that our association here with mm -hmm. the Otter Creek uh, community, we uh, have been coming to Mike and Nadine's class on Wednesday. We mm -hmm. became a part of that. We look back on that. Uh, we had a long association with the Collins. I had both their daughters and my four groups. We lived down the street from the Shrigley's, mm -hmm. now five houses down. Raised our kids. And their kids and our kids were in school together. We wanted to have an association with the mm -hmm. community. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. With the, the Glissons and the Thompsons mm -hmm. and the just the yeah. I looked up on stage this morning mm -hmm. worshiping, and there's uh, Matt Chance, and there's Amy Westman, and there's uh, uh, Scott. Scott Broadway, and there's Ken Shadow, yeah. all of those oh, <laughs> sang wow. with me in the choral ensemble. Wow. That's awesome. I guess I did something like right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're still singing. So kind of our icebreaker question we've been doing each week is do you have, you know, a specific memory associated with fruit? If it's the, the first tomato of the season or, you know, that perfectly ripe peach that you're just like, oh, man, I just, you know, such, such an incredible experience. Mike. I thought, and JB kind of sent me that, that mm -hmm. possible iceberg. 
and uh, used an example, and I had to take back. Uh, the taste of something is always uh, impacted by where you are. And if, if you're on some kind of unusual, exotic kind of adventure, mm -hmm. uh, it, it always seems to be much more mm -hmm. memorable. And, uh, I was thinking of some of the food we had, we had an occasion to go on a one of the Lipscomb sponsored uh, summer uh, development grants they gave out for the teachers to apply for. Mm -hmm. And uh, we received a grant from the Reducing Study Methods program. Mm -hmm. We decided to take a pre-trip cruise down the Amazon. Oh, wow. And they took us down the Amazon and we stayed in these Exploama lodges that were along the, the mm -hmm. they're run by a company with a uh, they had a generator electricity, but they wasn't on all the time. So mm -hmm. a lot of, I'm thinking of the breakfast that they served us mm -hmm. with all the fresh fruits that they had to be grown with mm -hmm. family there among the jungle. And, and uh, I still remember those. Yeah. I'm sure I some of them were fruits you didn't even know what they were. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, or one time, in one of the places we stayed, banana trees growing right there mm -hmm. and you just reach up and pull a banana off. And they taste it. <laughs> they taste yeah, so right well. Well, we, we have the worst banana species. Somehow became most popular that we get in the supermarket. Yeah. Yeah. Like these are the worst tasting bananas <laughs> in the world. Well there there was a blight in like the forties, fifties, sixties, some kind of fungus because they monocropped and they just had one species. And so that wiped everything out. So they just went with another species and made a new one be the mono. Instead of thinking like, maybe we should diversify the different species so that one blight doesn't wipe all of them out. Um, I don't know, Brenda, maybe have a different. I don't have any specific one. Um, in our travels, that's one thing that we've always tried to do is experience the, not only the culture, but the food that mm -hmm. we were. I can never remember something they <laughs> there are some there are. The scary thing about Amazon fruits is hard So starting with scripture, what are some passages or parables or stories in scripture that you think kind of shape the way you understand self-control as a fruit of the spirit? list of virtues that are to be uh, evident in the character of those who are directed by the Spirit of God. Uh, maybe possibly list them as characterizing habits of the mind, mm. relationships to others, and then conduct in general, and it should be noted that fruit is singular. 
Bliss is a unity. It should not be confused with the gifts of the Spirit discussed by the Apostle in 1 Corinthians. But the fruit of the Spirit is the witness of the Spirit. And uh, according to Wesley, that these are not natural traits of the human personality, but are the results of the Spirit's coming upon those who acknowledge Christ as Lord and Savior. Hmm. The Spirit testifies to them that they are the children of God. The immediate result of this testimony is the fruit of the Spirit. And without these, the testimony itself cannot continue. So thinking in terms of fruit, uh, tying all of these things in together mm -hmm. as being not natural traits of human personality. There to be accomplished through mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. Um, I know Brendan picked out a couple of uh, scriptures, but uh, um, one of the things that I thought about. Sermon on the Mount uh, about specifically self-control. When Jesus said, uh, "You've heard it was said, 'I for an eye, tooth for tooth.' Don't resist an evil person. Someone slaps you on the cheek, uh, turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. Someone wants you to take your shirt. That's not the way we normally respond. <laughs> not at all. You can imagine someone coming up to you today and, and mm -hmm. slapping you in the human nature is to slap back." Probably, to me, that somewhere on the mount, those, those passages there talk about this is really what you should be doing, mm -hmm. what you should be thinking, what the normal human reaction is. Yeah, it really goes against that like fight or flight response. That's you right. know, either I'm punching back or I'm running away. And it's like, no, I'm going to sit here and turn my cheek. And, yeah. I've never looked at that passage in terms of self control. I'd always looked at it as in like being kind or just, you know, killing them with kindness, quote unquote. <laughs> but hearing that makes a lot more sense uh, to, that it is a practice of self control to to not act, to not be impulsive, <coughs> but to really, you know, yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's a challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First, I guess I'd like to say because they're in the uh, different generation than, than you guys. But in the, growing up in the churches of Christ, when we were coming up, not much credit was given to the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. at, at all. And in fact, you know, my dad preached for years, but he, he was always the straight and narrow. Some of my thoughts nowadays might be shifting a little bit <laughs> in, in, his, in his way, but um, we were pretty much taught that the Holy Spirit works through the Word, and that was mm -hmm. it, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit was really something that was kind of hush-hushed. Uh, because you didn't want to be identified with holy rollers or people that spoke in tongues and and that sort of thing. Um, it's kind of like we were doing everything on our own and the Holy, 
Holy Spirit wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a part of that, um, a, a statement that I found in just reading, I thought was good for me, and that was displaying self-control is a matter of responding, not in reacting. Mm -hmm. And some of that, I think, has to come with maturity mm -hmm. there in, in learning not to just react. But when we react, it comes from an emotional uh, feelings that you have. And when you respond, it's more coming out of a learned mm -hmm. behavior. Um, babies don't come into the world with self-control. <laughs> Not at all. And, uh, in, in Titus, in Titus 2, verses 11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. And I got to thinking, well, what does what does that mean if you're not to do this? What are some of those things? And I, I just jotted down things like lover of yourself, so being selfish, mm -hmm. materialism, loving money, uh, being boastful and proud, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, um, unforgiving, slanderous, without uh, self-control. Many people are brutal and not really a lover of good things. So sometimes to know what it is, we have to look at what it's not yeah. to kind of define I, I, one, I love Proverbs. It's just mm -hmm. little pippy things, you know. <laughs> and, you know, if you're uh, having a busy day, you can open Proverbs and get one little gem yeah, that, exactly. you know, that can last you for the day. But as far as self-control in Proverbs 16, 32, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control, than one who takes the city. Hmm. Now, what would that mean to you? that there's somebody with self-control and somebody that could take a whole city. Mm -hmm. Any ideas? I'm asking. I'm not going to yeah. tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think of success. Like, cause I think of how were you successful in the ancient world? You were a great warrior in general who, you know, spread the kingdom. And so, like, better, you know, especially if Proverbs was written to mainly, you know, kind of the kings and kind of royalty in Israel, teaching them how to be good rulers, then it's like, yeah, it's better that you have self-control than you conquer all this land and be like a successful king in history. So, you know, success today generally has to do with money. <laughs> I feel like that's how most people... Um, how much money you make is generally how people decide how successful they are in life. I don't know if this is going to pan out, but one of the things my wife and I often talk about, you know, is the size of our house. Mm. 
And I think kind of comparing that of when you take over a city, whether you have to deal with the fact that you've taken over a city. <laughs> and, you know, if we were to get a bigger house, we would have to, have to deal with cleaning the bigger house, you know, and all those things. And so it's almost to have that self-control of we don't have to have that. And ha having more actually decreases the freedom, actually decreases the, the, the thing that you have. So I, I wonder if there's a little bit of that as well, that having self-control of being, almost being content in what we have mm -hmm. to help us, you know, not have to deal with more stuff. Yes, it's the issue of pride. Mm -hmm. I, our son in Murfreesboro is a home appraiser. Mm -hmm. And he told us one time, he said, Mom, Dad, you'd be surprised when I go to appraise, it may be a million dollar house, how often there's no furniture inside. Because to appear, you know, that you have it all and you're struggling to even have that yeah. and not even live comfortably. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, y'all mentioned the Runsees earlier. They did our patients class earlier. And something we talked a lot about was like instant gratification in our culture. Um, and, you know, it, when I was growing up, you had to watch what was on TV. Um, and I'm sure for y'all, like, oh, cartoons on TV, whatever. But, you know, for my son, it's like he can, with Netflix and Disney Plus, he can watch anything he wants. Anytime. Whatever it is. So one thing we talked about was, like, the spiritual practice of delaying gratification. And, like, kind of artificially build. So, like, there's some things. There's a new pair of shoes I want. I have the money. I could go buy them. But I'm like, ever since that class, I'm like, I'm just going to wait to see how long I can wait before buying that new pair of shoes. Um, and just see, you know, not just going online and ordering them and they'll be at my door in three days, but just like kind of practicing that delayed gratification. And so I think that definitely ties both into patience and self-control. Well, if you, I think of people who take over a city as being the warrior, you know, it's, I've been around people like that, not very often, I don't think, but so, I've had people in my life that are these, you know, really, they don't really have a off switch, and they're just bulls in a china shop everywhere they go. Mm -hmm. It's really, not really fun to be around them a lot. Um, and that could just be my personality, but um, I'd much rather be associated with people that have the self-control because they're not always, they seem to override your, your own wants and everything for theirs and, and that type of thing. I've been, we've been watching, I have a 13-year-old son, I introduced him to Lord of the Rings, not the books, but the movies. <laughs> Just like Harry Potter, he's definitely read the books, it's weird. But um, <laughs> I'm, it's a shame to me that he doesn't want to read the books. But watching the Lord of the Rings, and, and now we're on The Hobbit, we just watched The Hobbit last night, and, and there's a whole soliloquy that Gandalf makes about how little people, so The Hobbit, they, they're little and they're overlooked a lot, and because they're overlooked, they have this power to, to do things that, that really strong people can't do, mm. and it's amazing how they're the ones that can resist the ring because they're not drawn to that power in the same way that people... I, I don't know, that's, I've Tolkien, this, this whole thing on the ring and, and how attractive it is, 
I think there's a lot to that. I'm not. I mean, I'm kind of new to Lord of the Rings. I never read the books either. But um, well, why, do, why are you hating on yourself? I, know, I, know, I, 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 I like to read books, though. And he doesn't. Gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but you know, we have the movie, so why? There's another book I don't have to read. That's that's. Oh, yeah, well, I read it. You can watch it. All the book is better than the movies. I'm just yes. Say. Yeah, the Hobbit movie. And, and honestly, probably. Yeah. Um, I think to that point, it's specifically in Lord of the Rings, there's a, a scene where you know, Gandalf even says that if I were to take it, I would abuse it. Mm -hmm. But I would put it. And, and I, I think there is a, as you were talking about the people who kind of take over, it's almost that a self-controlled person is not going to assume that they know what's best for a city. They're not going to assume that they know what's best for the people. They're, that's their job. They, they are not, a self-controlled person is not going to try to overrun someone or be in charge of someone. Not that there's anything wrong with leadership or you know, being of that nature, but the idea of taking over a city implies I know what's best for you. I know what's best for the entire community. And that, that seems very, very mm -hmm. much pride. Definition of self-control, as we all know, but it's the ability to control impulses, feelings, and desires. It's the ability to say no when you want something that would be bad for you or for someone else. Um, so I asked JB the question: um, If you no longer have uh, a desire for something, and you exercise your choice to not. Participate in it, even though you no longer have that desire. <laughs> is it mm -hmm. self-control? <laughs> and uh, I, you know, we change with age. Uh, mm -hmm. One set of impulses are replaced by another set. Uh, as we were sitting there eating our uh, fruit crumb cake thing with ice cream on it last night, we went, "Why did they pick us for self?" <laughs> you, you, you would be surprised how many people I email and go, what? Patience? Me? Or what? Faithfulness? Me? Why? I'm just like, Eric gave us a list of those people I'm reaching out to. But I think it's much easier sometimes to see fruits in other people than you to see them in yourself. Um, and one thing I wanted to mention before we move on to the next question is, you know, uh, I think that kind of the the perfect case study in self-control is the temptations of Jesus. When he, you know, before he started his ministry, said no, you know, for, before he even rejected, you know, Satan's temptations, was no, I need this time where I'm going to be very intentional in fasting and preparation for what the next three years that are coming. Um, and then throughout that time, he was, you know, tempted, offered, you know, a giant kingdom, a giant empire and was still able to resist those human urges for power and for hunger, um, which I think is really important. And somehow even before, because he kept on telling people, my time's not yet come. Mm -hmm. It's not time yet. Almost that he, well, yes, in some ways you look at it and go, well, until, until my dad tells me to do this, I'm not going to do it. But there also had to be some, some in, 
person, human humanity in here that was wanting to help, that was wanting to bring mm-hmm. him up to say, it's not my time. Yeah, there's um, an infancy gospel of Thomas or James, you, you might know which one, but where like toddler Jesus gets mad and kills a little kid and then like raises him back from the dead, which is a, an interesting um, kind of addition to the gospel canon, <laughs> to the gospel story. But like, you know, thinking of someone with all this power, like you said, the self-control of the child. Um, yeah. That, that would be a dangerous combination, but hope, hopefully none of that stuff actually happened. That's just some uh, some tradition, not no actually no not actually the gospel. <laughs> um, so you know, fruit trees take a long time to grow. It's not like tomatoes that you can plant them and have them harvested in a couple months. Um, so when you plant a fruit tree, you're planting fruit for the future. So are there stories of your past, of people in your family or community maybe, who have kind of planted self-control for future generations? And you've seen how their acts, or I guess in this case, their inaction, and choosing not to act when they felt like they should have, um, have impacted people. many examples in that sense of uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you can think of it as a ripple on a pond. Kind of, it's something that they didn't expect to impact, but you see how their um, their example impacted others. I, I think, from my perspective, my family um, typical of my generation for church goers often was mm-hmm. that we were we really as children weren't given a choice. Church doors were open. We were there Sunday morning. We had Sunday night. We had Wednesday night. We had mm-hmm. young people meet for singing before church on Sunday morning. Um, we had gospel meetings every summer. Uh, we would put a tent up beside the church building, which uh, made sense that you could be out in open air. Uh, mm-hmm. It'd be a little different than being in a hot church building. Uh, later on, when <laughs> to go out with the bugs and the heat, but uh, it, it, we were just always there, and, mm-hmm. and in a sense, uh, it wasn't a, a it was planting a seed for uh, expectation. I think, and as we came into our marriage and raised our kids, we had much the same kind of mentality. Yes, in a sense, that is a self-control. You, you discipline yourself to, to mm-hmm. do those things uh, without even considering any other choice. Well, yeah. Of course, you don't do that. It's a function of the church. Mm-hmm. And my family certainly did that. And I know Brenda did. Mm-hmm. In fact, hers was worse than mine because <laughs> they were in a mission area. And if there was a gospel meeting, Two counties over, they were going to drive. I don't know if it is the, an answer there. Um, 
Christians became Christians when I was five, but I can remember very well what life was like before they became Christians. And, and, and Betty had a drinking problem mm -hmm. and, a, and a gambling problem. There was a lot of just dysfunction in the family. But my dad, once he became a Christian, it was just like a complete turnover. Sometimes in my own life, I think how big of a difference is um, the God and the Holy Spirit made in my life because I grew up going to church and focusing on um, holy things and you know trying to keep the evil things out of our lives. Although you run into that every day, but one of the things that I feel like in order to gain self-control, first you've got to know what the will of God is. Mm -hmm. Because we're constantly trying to align ourselves with what God's will is. And, you know, selfishly, many times I, I pray for things and I forget to say, you know, Lord, if it's your will. <laughs> because we're old enough that we have seen things that we prayed for didn't come true. But what God provided for us was so much better than mm -hmm. what, I mean, you know, we were just ignorant in what we were asking for. And it's, it's kind of like the illustration of um, probably everybody in here drives a car. If your car gets out of alignment, you got that shimmy going on, mm -hmm. and you know, it, it just kind of shakes you up when you're, when you're driving it. Um, it's kind of true with our lives, too, if we don't constantly try to align ourselves with the will of God. And in the Church of Christ, we've always been known as people of the book, and I hope we never get away from taking the responsibility of studying and understanding the will of God on our own and not just listen to what somebody else mm -hmm. uh, tells us there. Uh, you, you also have to know kind of the, the dangers or the consequences of not having self-control. Of course, all of Jesus' life, he knew what the consequences were going to be to align himself with the, with the will of God. And he obviously, we may suffer for that. Jesus mm -hmm. certainly did. And why are we any better than Jesus? Suffer when we try to practice self-control. Yeah, and I, I wonder how related those two examples y'all gave. When we think about practicing self-control of someone who's coming from addiction, you know, uh, if it was, oh well, I, you know, I go to church like once a month. Would would you have seen that turn around? Like, would but is it the constant, the Wednesday night, the twice on Sunday, that always being with the community, with the church? that makes it easier for someone coming out of addiction or out of some kind of problem in order to build that self-control. I think I definitely think those are related. Yeah. Um, and that's that's yeah, important. You can have self-control by yourself. Like, I mean, I yeah. You need community. You, you got to have to help accountability. You stay in a line of life. Uh, yeah. Accountability. Yeah, accountability. Yeah. You can't, as, as there's a, a ministry in Texas that I really appreciate, they say their ministry is um, 
individual work that you have to do in community. And, and I think that there's a lot of truth to that, that the spiritual, the Christian walk is something that's very individual, uh, but you have to do it in community. You can't do it by yourself. And I think that's what we've seen with a lot of the fruit that we've discussed is that it is communal. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that we, we learn from each other and we see, which is why I think that every person probably said, I'm not really that fruit, but communally speaking, we see that fruit in him. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I do wonder, because I grew up going to church all the time too, and in some ways it's a freeing thing because you know Wednesday night, I know, I know, I don't have any choices to make because that's yeah. what we're going to do. Sunday night, there's no choice to make because we've already It's like wearing a uniform. Like I asked my job. dad, I asked my dad one time, I said, we going to church tonight? He's like, I made that choice a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was we don't decide that every night. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, it's already been made, we're going. Yeah. And that's, on some point, that can be seen restrictive, but on another level, I chose to participate in this community, and so, and, and we need, sometimes maybe we need those choices that we make in our life to limit our other choices, <laughs> and it's, it's a freeing thing. I don't have to decide yeah. what to do. I know what I'm going to do. So, I, like, I don't know, and I wonder what it's going to be like for my own kids who don't have that same experience. I don't know how your kids are, if they still go all the time or not. I, and I wonder, you know, like our daughters are nurses now, so their their schedule is such, you know, they're going to have a get-out-of-jail-free card, I guess. <laughs> 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 but uh, I just wonder what it's going to be like for the next generation that doesn't have that same... Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some negatives to the, if you're really legalistic about it, but a lot of positives. Yeah. I, don't, I just I don't know how to feel about it. Well, I would say, like, even, like, we have changed, like, versus how we grew up. I would say, like, we were, like, at church Sunday and Wednesday every week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, as we've, like, grown and we have our own family, it's, like, it's so much easier to, like, make a, like, well, which it's obviously different because Jacob is a employee yeah. <laughs> of the congregation that we attend. Um, but, like, there have been times where we're like, oh, well, we don't really have that same responsibility or that accountability to be there mm-hmm. um, when we haven't been employed before. Yeah. And so it, it is interesting because it, like, it, there is more of, like, a, are we going to go do this today or not? Yeah. Yeah. I think for my parents, it was very much their community. That's, mm-hmm. like, my my mom, we were going to be my parents to uh, a, a senior retirement place, and it's two hours from where they grew up. And so my mom is really struggling on how to make friends because her entire life she's always had friends at church. Like that's just that's how she communicated with the world was through filter of our church friends. And so now we uprooted from that and planted a new place where she's having to learn how where the people who she's around the most don't go to church with her. And she doesn't have the freedom to get in the car or go somewhere or go to the church and volunteer. You know, it's it's different. So I think that there is a freedom in that choice. Like mm-hmm. him, make him, your father saying that, it it has a lot of truth and hope in it, and it, it also speaks to self control because there's so many things that I mean, David David Knox 
talks about this today, but there's so many things that's prompting at you to say, you know, this is this is what you could be doing, or you could be doing this, but to choose to do this, to choose to have Sabbath, to choose to, you know, be part of community is a very strong thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's end with just any other insights you'd like to share. Anything that, you know, we didn't get through as many questions as we usually did, but we had great, great discussion. Um, so is there just any closing thoughts that you're like, this is an important little nugget I wanted to share? In the panel, specific instance that I mm-hmm. didn't know about my father until yeah. years after his, he died. Uh, I'm one of eight children. I'm the eighth of eleven children. Okay. So uh, I had older brothers and sisters who were grown by the time I really met up big enough to remember and I saw my dad in, in a certain way. He was he was not a he was not a patient person. Mm-hmm. But part of that comes from having eleven kids. <laughs> And dealing, always dealing with the problems and, mm-hmm. and working the railroad and working a farm and being gone. And I, I was the classic kid that heard his mom say numerous times, if you wait till your dad gets home. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, dad would be out on the railroad yeah. for a couple of days. And you know, mother would, we'd hope that things would cool off and calm down. But she told a story that he growing up on the farm and being really rough in language, uh, using curse words to mm-hmm. dealing with animals and the stubbornness of mules. But, you know, I never heard my dad say a single mm. bad word. Mm. But mom told a story one time that that was his normal conversation. <clears throat> you hit your nail with the hammer, you know, something and spring a curse word. Mm-hmm. And, and they were at the church, they were baptized one night. And he told the story that the very next morning after they were baptized, after he was baptized, something happened and they were dealing with a harness on the horse and something slipped and, and broke and came down and cut his hand. He was that there wasn't that immediate hmm. flow of words out of his mouth, and uh, to me, that's an example of the spirit. Yeah, for sure. Help through breaking of a, of a habit. Mm-hmm. Even though we didn't believe in the spirit. Spirit believed in us, apparently. <laughs> Church at my hometown and the neighboring town, they came.
Thanks for sharing. I guess the last thing that, that I would say is to monitor what goes into your mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up teaching an awful lot of inner city kids who would inadvertently get in trouble because of the language that they used. And, you know, I would just think, well, why do they talk like that? Because that's all they know. Mm -hmm. all of their life and so whatever goes in is what comes out and it's not like they're a horrible people it's right. just that's so we just if we want self-control we got to have some control <laughs> on what goes in yeah. to help us with ourselves well, again thank you so much larry and brenda for sharing your uh, your wisdom with us um yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, and thank you all yes. for being out here. So, yeah, so next week we'll have Jim Frost and Paige Pope, both of who are spiritual directors, talk about cultivating your soil, right? You know, we've talked about how these fruits are the natural byproduct of the spirit, right? And so what are spiritual practices you can do so that your soil is healthy so you naturally produce these fruits? How long does the class go until the end of the month? There's, there's, yeah, 29. And then the last one, I'm not sure exactly what we'll do. I'll, I'll, I'll throw something together. <laughs> JB originally told me last weekend was the end, so I was like, perfect. We'll end on a good note. And I'm like, okay, if, if Paul just wrote ten fruits of the Spirit instead of nine, <laughs> just should have added another one. Come on, Paul. <laughs>